to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hate. We want to give a special warm welcome to our exciting guest, Gordon, from Random Reviews and Other Ramblings. Thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. Yes, we are very excited to have you. Make it clear, that is the title of another podcast. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. One of many that you can find on ggpodcasting.com. Yeah, an entire network of podcasts. That nobody listens to, so please (laughs) check us out. Definitely check them out. They have a great lineup for you. Um, So this week, we wanted to pair with them because they watch a lot of Netflix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, so the... The gist of our show is that we we pick a random Netflix movie every week. We use uh, realgood.com. They have a roulette randomizer, they call it. So whatever it, it lands on, that's what we watch. And we're trying to get the most out of our Netflix subscription. So to clarify, that's Netflix originals as well as anything other titles that have been licensed yes. by Netflix. Okay, so anything Any, available for streaming. Yeah. Any movie on Netflix. The only thing we'll skip is like stand-up comedies because you can't really talk about that. But any movie. So I mean, we've watched everything from we watched a silent film from the 1930s. Uh, we've watched really just every terrible movie that you could think of. We've seen. I was intrigued yeah. by that because when I was in college and not poor and didn't have responsibilities, mm-hmm. I would play movie roulette like theater so i would just i wouldn't look up times i would just go and then whatever movie was playing the closest to when i got there that was what i had to go see wow so i saw some doobies yeah i can imagine Uh, but yeah so this week we wanted to stick with the netflix theme and we wanted to look at the netflix original mute this was directed by duncan jones who is the son of david bowie which amazingly i only found out like two weeks ago reading random blue links on wikipedia just for what that's worth i was like wait wait, that duncan jones i'm i'm learning that i'm learning that fact right now so oh there you go yeah so (laughs) son of david bowie and uh, he also wrote it along with michael robert johnson was released on netflix february 23rd 2018 starring alexander skarsgård paul rudd justin thoreau and sam rockwell Although I feel like Sam Rockwell's not really in it. He was in that movie for like 20 seconds. He's like a background character. Yeah. It was an Easter egg. I'm glad that, because I thought that I saw him and I was like, is that Sam Rockwell? And then he was gone. I was like, there's no way they would get him for just that little part. Yeah, basically it's an Easter egg so that they can connect this movie, Mute, with Moon, which was Duncan Jones' big sleeper hit like 10 years ago. So this one is firmly planted in our one-star category because it has a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35% on Metacritic. Yes. Which is pretty bad, I feel like. It's pretty low. It's definitely lower than some of the other ones we've watched. I feel like critics are like almost meaner to Netflix. I don't know if they just have a grudge against them for some reason. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, why do you think that is? I think it's because they're keeping people away from theaters. And so Netflix is the whole idea is that they want you to watch their movies at home. And so I think that's just they're losing money and they don't like that. So let's go ahead and see what critics had to say about this one. Jonathan, do you want to? So first we need a synopsis, right? Oh, the synopsis. I totally forgot. 
You want me to read that? Yes, I do. Okay. In a Berlin of the future, a mute bartender search for his missing lady love takes him deeper and deeper into the city's criminal underbelly. First of all, that basically describes, like, so many movies, except for the mute bartender part and the future of Berlin. But just, it's a very common kind of formula, right? Like, yeah. Um, so, in terms of critics, let's see. Eric Cohn of IndieWire said, Jones is clearly striving to develop something fresh out of well-trodden material, and mute at least exhumes Jones's stature as a notable auteur. I feel like that's like a, a what do you call it? Uh, like a backhanded yeah, compliment. Yeah. He's basically <laughs> saying like this guy's career was dying because he sucks, but now he's kind of back. But at the same time, it's pretty formulaic, right? Yeah, that's. Well, I think that. Well, I think he's trying to say too that I guess that he liked the art style of the movie, which I could not disagree with more. I didn't think it was very exciting. The visually, the movie. It was essentially just all dark alleys and small rooms. It didn't really do much for me. Really? Okay, well, that's a yeah. good point. We will touch on it in just one minute. Sure. Um, let's finish up just kind of seeing what some other critics had to say so we can have our foundation, and then we'll dive into our own kind of thoughts. Yeah. Um, Sarah Stewart of the New York Post said... Quote, but it's never a great sign when your lead is upstaged by the supporting players, and for all its good looks, Mute ultimately doesn't have a whole lot to say. So she disagrees about it looking. <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and read Yeah, the last and one? then Amy Nicholson of Uprock said Mute is more interesting as a bullet point list of absurdities than as a two hour film, yet Jones continues to have my attention. Hmm. So she thought it was silly, but she was still... I think she's kind of similar to the first guy. Like, she likes his style. She thinks that he's an interesting director. Has an interesting kind of point of view for his movies. But ultimately, this one, you know, not so good. That seemed to be a common theme, I think. A lot of of the critics basically said it's a visually interesting film, but the story is dumb. Right? But yeah... That kind of was the general consensus on that. So should we jump into what we thought of the story? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go, go ahead and... and well, should, well, we, should we just stick to the order? Okay, okay, so fine, just, okay, okay, so, so what, what, what did you think about the acting? Gordon. Gordon. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I think that second reviewer, the, the Times one that you read, I think she nailed it. I think if Paul Rudd wasn't in this movie, I would have... I don't even think I'd have finished it. Of course I would have for the show, but if I was just watching it normally... <laughs> Paul Rudd was the only thing that kept me going on this movie. He was awesome. I thought he did such would, a great job. I would definitely agree with you. I think he stole the show. His character was interesting. It was, I mean, it was a little bit muddy at times. There were some parts where I was like, okay, why are you having him do that? Oh, I get it, but I don't really, eh. That's kind of a weird direction for that character um, without giving too many spoilers away. Okay, you guys, uh, so you guys don't spoil movies. Well, it depends. Like, if it's terrible and we suggest nobody ever watch it, we're more than willing to spoil it. But well, no, that's good to know because we just we spoil we we assume nobody's gonna watch anything that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we spoil everything, so that's a good so heads up. I feel like I disagree with both of you. Really? Yes. Huh. So I thought Alexander Skarsgård was amazing. 
like he did such a good job portraying emotion and even not just through like his facial expressions but through his body language as well okay like if you've seen him in true blood he's like a like a very um he's like a viking he's like a big strong like doesn't take junk from anybody guy that kind of like is exuded in his presence so to see him in this movie where he's like this meek little like even though he's still big but he's just so shy and like so essentially vulnerability is a big key to his character yeah and i think that's something that's hard to portray true but i think he did a great job of doing that i don't disagree Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you might be right. My biggest problem with him was his character. And he was just so stupidly bullheaded to me that yeah. I just got, I was angry at him the whole movie. <laughs> I even had that as a note. It's like, am I supposed to like this guy? Am I supposed to care about this main character of the movie? Because everything he does, it was just so frustrating. So did you see him more as like the like the controlling boyfriend that you see in a lot of... Not necessarily the controlling boyfriend, but just he only had one way to deal with his problems, and they didn't... It never seemed like the correct way to deal with the problem. Yeah, like he jumped too quickly to anger a lot of the Yeah, yeah. That's true, and and we didn't really get very much backstory on him to really explain his rationale of why he would do certain things essentially the only backstory you get is why he's mute right yeah can we talk about that can we talk about this like weird future berlin that still has a high population of amish people so they they briefly explained that in one quick frame of a newspaper article saying that the German chancellor had invited Amish people to come back to Germany. Yeah, it's weird. I actually... Well, I Googled it because I was interested in watching this, and there really aren't Amish people in Germany to begin with. They're all... They came to America however many hundreds of years ago and, you know, stuck to their culture ever since and kind of shunned the outside world and But did they come from Germany originally? Well, yeah, they did come from Germany, but the okay. point is there's none in Germany now, or at least not a, 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 you know, a noticeable amount. So it is kind of weird. You're right. It is... I think that's kind of one of the main things about this movie is there's interesting stuff about it, but it is very, like, What? It's weird. It's like, why? Like, why does it have to be that way? Why do you have to make it convoluted uh-huh. instead of just kind of boil it down? Go ahead. I think that's a good Go thing, too. Well, because, like, John Wick would be my other... I don't know if you guys have seen those movies. Yeah. We have. Yes. <laughs> we have. But that, that did a similar thing where it's like, he's in this world, and we're not necessarily going to tell you everything about it, but we're going to reveal things in a way that is both explanatory and fits the plot. Whereas this movie, it's like you never, I never really understood what Germany was. It sounded like they were conquering the world again at parts. And then all these other things were going around. And then you have like uh, Paul Rudd's character being in the American military. So it's like, I don't know what's going on in the world and how we got here and why there's Amish people on top of that. And it never got explained in any way. So it was just a big mystery (laughs) rather than, like, something I felt like we were discovering as the movie went on. I wanted um, to get some more backstory on, um, I forget the actor's name, but he played Mary and or Pippin from The Hobbit. Uh, oh, Lord yeah, of the Rings. 
I wanted to, I wanted the whole movie of him. I'd like to go yeah. back to his life and learn more about yeah. what he's doing. That was such a weird cameo for a character that you basically see for like one minute. Yeah, and that was wearing like geisha makeup. Yeah, exactly. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> very strange yes it was very strange but so with that then there's a lot of i guess the story itself is very simple guy wants to go get his girlfriend yeah i mean it's essentially like a film noir detective story yeah. except in the future which is why all the comparisons get made between this movie and blade runner because it's the same kind of formula and style i thought the visual style was very similar it was i mean it's an easy comparison to make it's a futuristic dark even gordon said at the beginning very dark gritty like neon lights in alleyways kind of sets right which gordon you did not like the look of right i mean it was fine i just didn't think it was it just it was amazing It was hard to really get a feel for the whole world. It was it just felt very enclosed. Uh, so it's not yeah. that I, I have a problem with those kind of that kind of a vibe. It just I don't know. I never felt like you really got to experience these surroundings. It was always so focused on just the people, I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. It does. Yeah. So, so sorry. Go ahead. Basically, in, in in some movies like this that are successful, would you say then? that the city or the environment kind of becomes a character of its own and that was lacking. Yeah, I think that might be a way to describe it. Yeah. So there were, I guess, some problems with a little bit of the story and some of the acting, but I guess I want to go back to the acting real quick. So Gordon, did you feel that your problems were with Alexander Skarsgård's performance or just the writing of his character no yeah i think that was kind of more what i was trying to say is his character itself was just so frustrating that i didn't even really pay attention to his performance to say like whether it was good or bad um i can i can kind of get what you're saying with with some of his emotions and all that and i you're probably right but it really did feel like he was just there to move the plot along i know he was supposed to be our main character but for me, Paul Rudd and Duck became the main characters in this movie. I They're the only people I cared about. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, Paul Rudd definitely, his character was the most interesting. His character is also the one you got the most backstory on. I mean, his he was the most fleshed out character in this movie. And his character has the biggest arc. But like, right. it's, I, I can't, it's, ugh. He's also very like unequivocally the bad guy though. Right? That's, that's a spoiler, though. Oh, whatever. We can't say that. <laughs> it's not... Like, you find out who the bad guys it's are. such a relative term, though. Sure. You know, because yes. he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to get what he needs. And True. he's only the bad guy to Leo in that, you know, he's... They're both looking... He's, like, trying to follow along who's what's going on, and that's, like, his lead, I guess. Yeah. So was this movie engaging, though, despite its flaws? Yes. So that the last review that you read, I think, kind of nailed how I felt. Is It's like nothing really made me... I, I didn't really like much of what was going on, and yet I couldn't really stop watching. I was like, it would go, you'd go to some next scene, I'd be like, oh, well, let's, let's see what's going on here. This is kind of interesting. And then it would yeah. be disappointing, but then it would go somewhere else. Okay, well, yeah, let's, maybe it'll get better now. And it just never really did. 
but I was engaged pretty much through the whole thing. I would say the last like 20 minutes could have been a lot shorter, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was engaging. That's a great segue for a point I'd like to make. And I totally agree with you. I was very into this movie through most of it. I mean, there were a couple parts, whatever, but there, I definitely found myself being like, okay, I want to know what's going to happen. This movie is more captivating than a lot of the crap that we've watched yes, so far. Yes, we have watched some bad ones. Okay. So I guess then with this, there are a couple things the movie does poorly in terms of the, the story and the way it kind of follows through. And then maybe some of the characters' interactions and relationships aren't as clear. What does it do well? John, I'll start with you. Okay. Well, so as we already said, Paul Rudd, amazing in this poll. He is a total psychopath, but at the same time, you know, has his family. I love the family side, like a typical kind of mobster, you know, if you will. So he was great. Uh-huh. I thought Justin Throw was good, too. I mean, he was weird. Like, his character was just, I don't you know. know. He, he reminded me of Steve Buscemi in Con Air. Hmm. Okay. Just because he's like. He's got, like, the weird, creepy, creepy hair. Yeah. The creepy predilections, and then like the scene with the girl. Because you guys, you've seen no, I've seen, yes, I've seen that. Gordon, have you seen Connor? I, no, I have not. Believe it or not. Oh, you guys watch bad movies. You need to yeah. watch. Couple. We watch bad movies, and I really don't watch old movies unless I have to. So, yeah. really, really, movies, movies that have come out since the '90s is about where I where I cut off for movies. That's like ninety five or ninety six. Yeah, that's, that's too early. That's, I, that's, that's, <laughs> like the last twenty years. That's the yeah. I got kind of a similar vibe okay. uh, from that character. Gordon, what do you think this movie did well? Uh, well, I would again say Paul Rudd. Um, I do. I mean, I think it did. Whether or not the like Leo was an engaging character, it did tell an engaging story, uh, and it was. I know we talked about the world kind of becoming a character, but it really was focused on these different people and really Paul Rudd. And I do think it did a good job, especially with Paul Rudd's character of sort of, you did feel like you were growing to understand them as the movie went on. I wish it had done it better with the other characters like Duck and and Leo, but for especially uh, Paul Rudd's, I I thought that was good. I, I did enjoy that sounding board or like mirror right like we don't maybe he doesn't that's the point is he doesn't have a character is he just kind of reflects other people or he's just there to be the the narrator the i don't even know what i'm saying the person you know who holds up the mirror to other people's souls or whatever you know that shows he's basically there so that they can interact with something so we can understand that which is at the same time, I can I can respect if that was the intention, like the goal, but I, I still don't think it really worked that well. Well, so with him, I think people see what they want to see in him. So with Nadia, she wanted to see Nadira. Yeah. <laughs> Nadia. They called her Nadira <laughs> wanted to see the best in him and kind of see him as her white knight. Did she though? I think so. I don't think so. Okay. And then <laughs> the Dominic Monaghan character, he saw him as like kind of an intimidating, like some goon, basically. Thug. Yeah. And then the pimp guy with the the creepy painted face assassin, cool people that we wanted to know more about. He saw him. He scared him. 
like, you know, so he... You know well, I think like, a I lot of people like, underestimated him. Yeah. Right? Some... They, they should have underestimated him, and others, obviously, it was to their detriment. What's weird, though, is, like, you, you know, you made the comparison earlier to John Wick. And the problem I have, or one problem I have, is this guy is not John Wick. Like, we have no indication that he's some awesome badass who can, like, beat people up. And yet, he's really strong and does beat people? Yeah, well, he, like, he goes in, and it's just like, okay, yeah, well, he took care of those guys. I'm like, What? Why? Okay, because he has a big stick. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my biggest problem was the fight scenes at the end of the movie, especially like the climactic one of the movie, was over so quickly and in such a unbelievable fashion that I thought I was getting punked. I didn't think that was really happening. Because <laughs> it's just, it's so quick, that last fight is so quick and such a sudden like shift and, it, and especially how it starts, because he's been swinging that bedpost around and like and killing people with it, essentially. Right. And then the fact that he can—I I don't know—I just didn't like it. I didn't think that was well well established either. Okay, so obviously this movie does have some flaws and some things that it does well. So, Gordon, overall, would you did you enjoy watching this movie, or would you tell people to avoid it? I, I think I enjoyed it. I think <laughs> it depends on the minute, but it is one of those movies. I think that you should at least try to watch. If it doesn't grab you, just turn it off. It's not going to get any better. But if, if it, you know, if, if you're into this kind of style and setting, it has at least enough interesting moments. And honestly, Paul Rudd, I think you should watch it just for Paul Rudd's performance because he was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Paul Rudd is normally kind of the the plucky, kind of douchey, like, what he's am I like, trying to say? I mean, he's like, he's like a comedic everyman in a lot of movies, right? Yeah, so this film, I feel like, was such a departure. Oh, it was, definitely. Like, I feel like I've never seen him in a role like this. Have I you? That, but I feel like he was still a comedic everyman, just a little eviler, like a little more evil. <laughs> just slightly yeah. more psychotic. <laughs> Because even, you know, when he's, um, like, when they're bowling, like, that was almost funny to me when, when he's talking with Duck and he, you know, they're, they're talking about uh, his daughter or whatever. Yeah. And he's supposed to be intimidating. And I don't know if it's just because I know it's Paul Rudd and maybe this was just a mental thing I did. But it just, yeah, it just felt like another Paul Rudd performance, but just with more character and a little darker. Yeah, it seemed like... Because one of the things about, I don't, I never remember if it's psychopaths or sociopaths, but they basically are really good at presenting the image. Yeah, and sociopaths, being, I think. Yes, being what the other person wants them to be. Right. I think Paul Rudd did a great job of that, because when he wants you to like him, he is that likable, you know, even kind of douchey guy. But then the minute you don't do what he wants, he flips the switch and is like... Yeah, that that's true. That that scene at the end where they're at the mall and he's with the eating the peanuts, that yeah. was that was definitely a departure for Paul Rudd. That he sold completely sold that. Like he was crazy. There was death yeah. in his eyes. That was insane. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, what would what would you say about this movie as a whole? I honestly kind of liked this movie, like more than I probably should. 
I would say, I mean, it had its flaws, and a lot of movies do, and it's nowhere near, like, a great movie, but I thought it was a good movie. I would recommend people watch it, honestly. If they like that style of film, if they like the kind of gritty, neo-noir whatevers, and at the same time, I'm baffled why certain films in that kind of genre, subgenre, whatever you want to call it, get so like hailed as masterpieces and then this movie got crapped on. I don't understand it to be honest. Like if you're comparing it to like Blade Runner 2049. Right. And I'm not saying that this is on the level of Blade Runner 2049, but they're not like like you know, one's at the top and the other's at the bottom. I don't I, I don't, don't think, think the gap between them is so great. Yeah, I think this is for me, this would be like a solid three out of five. Yeah. Which and you kind of did nail it. It's like I did like the movie, but I could not really tell you why. I don't have any real evidence to support it. And if, <laughs> when I think about it, all I can think of is like, oh, I didn't really like that. I didn't really like that. And even in the moment you're watching it, you're like, why am I watching this? I need to keep watching this. It's, right. like, it's, a, it's, it's like an oxymoronic movie. I, I really don't know how I feel <laughs> about it. It's like weirdly captivating. Yeah. Because at the same time, you're like, what is going on? What? I don't care. And then you're like, but... I do want to know what happens next <laughs> yeah. because you have my attention. See, okay, so Jonathan and I had not talked about this movie before now. Yeah, we did not watch it okay. together. Usually yeah. we watch movies together. We kind That's of, it. you know, point things out to each other. But yeah. because of the time constraints. Yes, so he watched it yesterday. I watched it half yesterday, finished it on the train on the way to work this morning. Yeah. And I was so excited to talk about it. Because I literally didn't have a single negative thing to say about the movie. Really? I loved it. <laughs> okay. Yes. I thought it was gorgeous. I was like, Blade Runner and Fifth Element had a baby and made this movie. Like, ah, uh, I loved it. <laughs> For the record, by the way, she doesn't really like Blade Runner. I hate yeah. the Blade Runner movie. <laughs> wow. No, I loved this movie. I don't know if it's because... Like, we had the problem with Billionaire Boys Club where I liked it because of my interest in, like, true crime. Sure. So I don't know if my interest in this movie you is like mostly because of mysteries and I'm okay. like, I solved the mystery. But, like, I found myself looking at stuff that we try not to look at. Like, I was like, this movie is visually stunning. Like, I'm intrigued by everything happening on the screen. And the only negative thing I could think of was Nadira's friend who works at the club with her, uh -huh. who... Leo meets again later at the other secret club. Uh -huh. <laughs> I thought his performance was kind of bad. Oh, really? I, I liked him. I really liked that guy. I liked yeah. all their interactions. Um, yeah. I, well, I, I, thought, I, I thought he was a very interesting character. I think you made that point earlier where basically all the secondary characters along the way are more interesting than Leo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like those British guys? What was going on with them? Why didn't we get to see more of them? That yeah, was... the weird, like, owners of the hacker mall? What was yeah. it? Yeah. The thing, too, is, like I said earlier, it's, I don't understand why I liked this movie because it didn't give us any of those details. It was just right. like, here's this crazy world. You know what I mean? Like, it was almost good because it didn't give us that, and it was... Frustrating, but I still liked it. <laughs> that kind of sums up this movie. 
Yeah. Well, you don't need it for the story they're trying to tell. You don't. It's all extra. All this stuff, and I think that's why it's okay that they didn't give it to us, right. because really it doesn't matter. But at the same time, yeah, it would have been really cool to know all of that. I'm curious now if that's just a problem with Netflix originals in general, because Jonathan, you had that same problem with Bright. You were like, I want to know more about this world. Except that for Bright, it was a criticism. And for this movie, I weirdly liked it. (laughs) I can't explain it. So, I think the problem was, okay, the problem was Bright. Have you seen Bright, Gordon? No, but uh, Jeff okay. reviewed it, and he did not sell it very well on our, on okay. our podcast. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it, and it had a lot of problems. And my main point was, it was too out there. It was so weird. It was this totally bizarre alternate fantasy version of our world, and they didn't explain anything it was just like what okay so my question to you then is you're more willing to accept this because it's technically like a futuristic sci-fi movie yeah that's what that was the point i was going to make i'm willing to accept this more i think because i've seen tons of movies like this before right yeah this like there's easy things to compare this to you go yeah blade runner like you said fifth element you know uh altered carbon the show this one was less so Bright was too original for you, whereas this one is more genre, like it fits better into a single genre. I think so, and that was my point with Bright, is Bright would have actually been more successful if you had taken the same story and made it like a Harry Potter film, it would have been more successful because people would have instantly had, okay, I understand the general framework of this world. So, Gordon, do you feel that this movie, or movies in general, I guess, that fit into one genre are more successful or have the potential to be more successful than like a crossover movie? Uh, Not necessarily. I think you still have to, and I haven't seen Bright, so it's hard to compare it. Um, But I think this had more than just its genre going for it. I think you could have taken those characters and maybe put it into either just a normal world or whatever and and change all the sci-fi stuff, but you still have a good story with good characters. Well, good story is a strong word, but you have good characters and, you know, you you can still find weirdos like in the world today. You don't have to be in a sci-fi thing to, to find all that. You can find all the things that they had. Um, But I I guess I can see, because I can see how that might make a disconnect because in a sci-fi world, as long as you play it straight, which they did in this movie, it was very like, this is the world we live in and we're going to act like it. And I can see how that might throw some people off if the world that they're doing that in is ours, but with one slight difference versus a completely different universe, essentially. Yeah. Like you're more willing to accept it because it is so unfamiliar. Right. Versus something that is familiar that has that one weird little parallel universe thing. You're like, what is happening here? I don't like that. It's like kind of the uncanny valley of uh, storytelling. Right. Because Bright, I mean, the whole point of Bright is like instead of Mexicans, they're ogres or something, right? Something like that. I know it's like a metaphor for race relations, but. Yes, the whole movie is very as a message for sure. So my question then, I guess, to you guys is. But it is, can we sum it up by saying we like this movie 
but we're not but quite we're sure why. Sure <laughs> I think like, that's the perfect summary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other movie that I want to bring up with this, just this is just me kind of, you know, rambling at this point. Did you see Atomic Blonde? Yes. I actually okay. really liked that movie. We liked it too. We did. And this movie kind of reminds me of it, partly because, of course, it's set in like a gritty Berlin. I mean, that's an obvious yeah. connection to make. But at the same time, that kind of had a confusing, weird mystery as well. Yeah, it kind of did. And I don't really understand why critics would take that movie and say, oh, this is awesome, and give it good ratings. And then they had punching and take a dump on this movie. Yeah. And I mean, a strong woman as its lead. That gets you like 20 <laughs> points automatically today. And Gordon, I kind of wonder too, though, I feel like there is definitely some sort of critical bias when it comes yeah. to Netflix originals. Like, even with the package, which you guys reviewed, um, that's a really funny movie. Yeah, we, we were surprised how much we liked it, given sort of the setup for it. Yeah, like, okay, so Jonathan, you have not seen no, it. No, I have not. So I've told you about it, yes. though. The kid yes. chops off yes. his friend. His package. <laughs> His package on a camping trip. Uh, and that's the story. Right. And they try to Very simple, it. right? Right, it's a simple story. And there's hijinks like, along the way. But yeah, critics hated that movie. And I really think it just has a lot to do with the fact that it is a Netflix original. I think it's just that critics hate well, gross out humor. And well, we've I seen think that in a lot of movies. Yeah, and you guys even touched on that when you were talking about Kung Pao, of how that's not really a movie that critics are going to like anyway. Yeah. But they probably should have. And I, I want to keep talking about Kung Pao just because I love that movie. I think that because that movie is such yeah. a good it's such a good satire. And you guys all covered this. Really just go listen to that episode, anybody listening now. <laughs> but it really did perfectly satire that whole genre, you know. I thought it was a just a masterpiece of satire uh, of a yeah. very uh, albeit niche genre. But right. uh but the fans of that niche genre are, like, yeah, pretty hardcore. I, you really right? can't, if yeah. you go into it, and kind of same with, like, Napoleon Dynamite. Nobody liked that movie, but if you watch it, you realize just how brilliant it is. I don't know if I kept it in our episode or not, but the first time I saw that movie, I hated it. And then Napoleon by like Dynamite? The, yes, and then by the seventh time I'd seen it, I, I thought it was, like, the funniest movie I ever. have not met a single person who liked Napoleon Dynamite the first time they watched it, Every, yeah. including myself. I remember walking yeah. out of that theater like, what did I just waste my life doing? <laughs> and then we rented it, like, my cousins or friend or somebody rented it, and we watched it again, and by the end of the movie, I was like, this is one of the funniest movies ever made. And everybody I've ever talked to has had that exact same reaction. Yeah. I'm just amazed that so many people are willing to rewatch a movie they hated. Well, when it's pure pressure. When you're totally sitting like with your friends and they're like, we're watching Napoleon Dynamite, I'm not going to call my mom and be like, come pick me up from my friend's house. I want to go home. Like, you just got to watch. You got to suffer. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> so to kind of wrap up our conversation, because I think we're kind of – you know, we've talked about this movie enough. I want to talk about Netflix for a minute. Sure. I know a lot about Netflix. Yeah. Well, that's what you do, right? You watch movies on Netflix, and you've seen a lot of Netflix originals. Uh, not as many Netflix originals, because uh, like I said, it is random. So we watch any. I mean, anything. We watch everything. Well, you, I think Netflix gets a lot of crap because they do make a lot of crap, but the thing is they make a lot of stuff, period. I, I think it's fine, and I think they need more just because of the kind of platform they're trying to sell. 
I, I'm fine with Paramount or Universal only making five movies a year because I'm only going to the movies. You know, you pay on an individual basis. Right. But Netflix, when I go on Netflix, if you want to keep me subscribed, like there had better be something every time I go there, whether it is a new original show or just another show that you are streaming. You have to be pumping it full of stuff. So I, I think that's OK to just go quantity over quality as long as you do have some good quality in there. You throw enough darts at the wall, you're going to hit the board. Something's going to stick, darts. right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Gordon, so do you have anything you want to plug while you're here with us for our listeners? I mean, just... You have your podcast network. Yep, we have ggpodcasting.com. We have two shows that we keep up on a regular basis. That's the Random Reviews and Other Ramblings, where we watch the random Netflix movie. Uh, we've also gotten into degenerate uh, stock market options gambling, and you can find all of our insights on the stock market and easy ways to lose all of your money on the YOLOist guide. Yeah, a new listener because Jonathan. This is basically Will. Wall Street bets. Like <laughs> yes. Oh no, that's what. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what we saw. Um, and uh, you know, our 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 mantra is: we make the calls, you bring the rope. So definitely check that are you, out. Are you guys going to be best friends now? <laughs> I'm I'm totally open to that. Uh, I, we could use some. And then we have a couple old shows uh, that we don't really maintain anymore. We have Donald's Dungeon, where we played uh, Dungeons and Dragons with Trump. He's our main character. He's got to get back to America uh, so that he can make it great again. And uh, for a year, we did a daily show called The Morning Dump, where every month we kind of had its own theme and just short little episodes. So there's a year's worth of that also up on our website. Uh, you, you made 365 episodes? Well, we only did weekdays. And like I said, they oh, were like okay. five minutes long. So we were just, you know, we'd sit down and just do a, a solid week at a time for recording. Uh, they're, they're like five to seven minutes. The whole point is you can listen to it while you're doing your morning routine. Um, uh, okay. That is still uh, an impressive commitment. Yeah. I yeah. admire that. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that's all at ggpodcasting.com, ggpodcasting on Twitter. Uh, GG podcasting on YouTube. We post most of our podcasts up there. So that's that's about it. Great. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We definitely oh, yeah. had a lot of fun with you. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, it is nice to have a third perspective because sometimes we're just completely against each other and we're like, who's the crazy one? Here? No, I feel like it's worse when we agree because then we're like, oh, okay, what do we talk about then? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I'm glad you guys were in line and then I could kind of soundboard off it because I, I feel like I had like a very different <laughs> feel of this movie than you guys did. Thank you for listening to One Star Bazaar. As always, please let us know what you think by reaching out on Facebook or Twitter at One Star Bazaar. You can visit our Patreon page to contribute to the podcast if you like what we're doing. Please rate and subscribe if you're willing. It helps us out and lets us know you're listening.